Long time no see, Shula Bowl fans. Welcome back to another episode of the illustrious Shula Bowl podcast. As always, we are brought to you by the fine folks at Five Reasons Sports, your home for all things South Florida sports news. I am Eric Henry, FIU beat writer, co-managing editor, Underdog Dynasty, SB Nation, joined by uh, a voice that you haven't heard. You haven't heard any of our voices in a while, but the one, the only, the lovable, uh, number one in your heart, especially for FAU fans, that is uh, Shane Marinelli, all things FAU for the FAU Owls Nest. Shane, what's going on, man? It's been a while. Uh, yeah, dude, things are just feeling like they get back to normal. Um, spring practice is happening. You know, I can only close my eyes and envision what's going on behind the fences, of <laughs> the new, uh, Schmidt center. Um, you know, but, uh, it, <laughs> you know, there's football and, you know, nothing, nothing has ceased because of COVID. So it's, uh, it's feeling good, you know, just for, you know, just kind of like some normal practicing to go to be going mm-hmm. on. No doubt about it. This has been a full FAU day for me. We're recording here on March 4th. It's Thursday, March 4th. So we are a few days, four days into the start of FAU's camp. That's going to be the topic of today's episode. Shane and I is going to you know, give a quick camp, uh, you know, I'd call a preview. Uh, uh, I mean, it's not a preview for four days in, but just we're just going to talk all things FAU football as they're into camp. Uh, like I said, it's been a full FAU day for me on the uh, Conference USA podcast at Kevin, F- Kevin Fielder. And Kevin might have been our last FAU guest. Appreciate him for joining the Shula Bowl podcast. We had Kevin Fielder on to talk about all things FAU in the morning and now hop it on Shula Bowl with my guy Shane. So want to go ahead and jump right into it. Um, I'm going to go and just let you start. You know, I, I have a handful of questions I know that I am curious of. I definitely want to get your take as far as the Owls are concerned. Things I, I may have asked Kevin a little bit earlier, but definitely want to get your perspective. But um, where we're at right now, a few days into camp, just, you know, like I said, it's, it's been uh, probably about a few weeks or a month since we've talked FAU football. So I'll just let you kind of have the floor with them being a, a week in the spring. Um, thoughts, what you're looking for, you know, um, and I'll just take it away. Just the floor is yours. My first thought, and, uh, you know, thanks, shout out to Jack Raskin, really this question on the presser the other day is, you know, you're looking um, at FAU's roster, and normally spring is kind of, you know, uh, obviously in a lot of cases you don't have, maybe you have a few early enrollees, but you don't have the freshman class in. And obviously, you know, you've lost the senior class. So usually, you know, spring rosters are a lot thinner. You know, if anyone's been, who's covered college football goes to like a spring scrimmage, you know, when you get through kind of the, the first and second teams, that third team is like, it's a lot of who is that, you know, um, <laughs> but I'm looking at the roster and since FAU uh, and now that it's kind of all settled. And I, I think we kind of talked about a little bit, you know, they brought back 80% of their seniors from last year. Uh, I don't know where that ranks in conference USA. Uh, I know that every senior that started in the bowl game was there. I mean, the only senior that played meaningful minutes last year, only two seniors that played meaningful snaps last year are gone and BJ Emmons and Lane McCarthy. Um, everyone else is back. Zion Gilbert, you know, uh, Jordan Helm, uh, Khalif Bryce, Caleb Bryce came back, which was a huge surprise. So the approach is, you know, spring's really just about giving guys reps who really haven't had reps before it built starting to build a little bit of depth, but now you kind of bring back your whole team. You know, I, I was talking to someone at FAU about this and, and I asked, I'm like, man, have you ever had a spring 
where you've had a roster of 90 players. And, you know, obviously any college football coach can answer that question is pretty much no, you know. Uh, so, you know, I wonder if the approach is a little different this spring. Can you install a little bit more? It's not, you're not as, as focused on kind of building depth and just getting some young guys reps, um, which I'm sure they're doing, but there's a little bit of, man, we got all these experienced guys back. Maybe we can, you know, maybe get, start to get a tad ahead of ourselves uh, than where we, you know, where we were just because you have so much experience, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I just wonder if that kind of approach, you know, Willie Taggart answered the question, you know, it's pretty much, you know, saying the other day, almost, you know, you can't do more and it's just, it's different. It's nice to have all these guys, but also in reality, it's just, it's their first spring together. So, you know, there is a lot of basics as well. Yeah. Really quick, Shane, you asked the question, you weren't sure where that ranked amongst conference USA, as far as FAU on their returning production. I I'm in the, the, the process of crunching the numbers uh, for a piece. I know for a fact that UTSA, has brought back 96% of their returning production. So I believe they're going to come in first. But uh, since I've, I've tracked six teams so far, uh, I don't think anyone's come in, you know, significantly higher than FAU. So I think a lot of teams, as far as the senior senior class and senior production, is going to come in around that 80, 85% mark. Uh, want to jump in and, and throw this question at you, Shane. You know, um, put me on the spot here, but and obviously, you know, um, uh, FAU's practices, there are uh, only so, so open. Um, I believe the, the um, what is it, only the first 15 minutes? Is that what they're doing? No, 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 no. It's Fort Knox. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, cool. So, <laughs> so, so that, uh, that answers that question. Um, so obviously, there's only so much that you can speak to without having seen it, right? And uh, I'm sure I'll be saying the same thing in a couple of weeks. But just, you know, when when you get to a spring game, and and let's say we fast forward and we're through spring practice, right? And, and, and you know, we've got spring behind us. What are one or two things that you're looking for just from this team in the spring that that you they may have been un excuse me they may have been unanswered questions heading into the spring, but you're looking to see if you can kind of get a little bit of a clearer picture um, when spring is done. Uh, obviously the hot topic with FAU. We'll just get this one out: the quarterback, right? All the quarterbacks sure. return, plus you add Michael Johnson Jr. as kind of the young four-star transfer. I have made it clear that addition to that spot is still very much possible. Okay. They're very much possible. Does anyone take enough of a step forward to make the coaches say, Oh, maybe we don't need to. Now that is very difficult asked in the spring. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm surprised, you know, Nick Tronte even, um, came back, you know, JB on Posey is an interesting case because it, you know, I was thinking about this the other day and it, he got a lot of slack for some of his play, and he was obviously very raw. But let's just remember Javion Posey's story. He came to FAU as a freshman. FAU was low on receiver. Lane played about receiver his entire freshman year because they just needed depth there. I was never a fan of that decision. And he ended up catching one pass in a bowl game uh, for a touchdown. Uh, so he, he kind of no year of development there. Then, obviously, he didn't have Willie Taggart, you know, when he was originally hired a few weeks after he was posed the question, um, do you want to move him back to quarterback? And, yes, the plan was. Then, obviously, COVID happened. He didn't have a spring. And then he gets into the fall, and he's starting week five or six. So, essentially, he's only had 
two full months at quarterback while at FAU. So what type of jump can he make? You know what I mean? Uh, this spring is the interesting. Uh, I, I'd say the second thing is, is man, FE returns five offensive linemen, starting offensive linemen from last year. And not so much after the spring, but, you know, Sebastian Dolcine was a highly recruited Juco kid who wasn't able to play last year. He'll be, he's eligible this year. Um, they brought in Andrew Boselli from Florida state in a grad transfer and Kamar Bell will be arriving early summer. Uh, so you have, and plus there's really good experience behind those five starters guys that had to play a lot during COVID last year. I, I, I was kind of doing the math on it. There's 11 guys competing for those five spots. I mean, that, that's just the type of competition FAU has on the O-line. You know, you, you could return five starters, but have three new starters just because they might get beat out. That's, that, and that's a good thing. Um, and then obviously the third thing I'll make it quick is, man, how high can this defense go? It's, it has potential to be, you know, it, to be the best in FAU history just with everyone returning. Shane, I'm going to piggyback right off of what you just said about the defense. Uh, I'm not trying to start any controversy. Uh, I ask this genuinely as, as an observer. I'm genuinely curious. Chase Lassiter, Amon Ross, uh, Caleb Rice. Starting linebackers, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Amon Ross is technically, his position is technically Al. So <laughs> whatever you want to make of that, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, football in 2021 safety hybrid do everything you know just go out there and be awesome (laughs) right so so yeah so i'm leading into my into my question slash statement here no one's doubting how good Achilles kiki leroy is uh in my opinion he was the 2019 defensive player of the year didn't necessarily take home the award but if i had a vote for for all of you out there listening i do not have a vote but if i did um he would have been it where does he fit into the equation? Once again, there's no doubt his talent level and that he's an impact player. He's on the field, but you miss a year. And as you've noted throughout the, the season, the 2020 season, a lot of young guys who, who may have, you know, they might be a, a year early in terms of their development and how well that defense, you know, came together and played last year. Uh, where's Kiki Leroy, excuse me, where does Kiki Leroy say that five times fast fit into that equation? I, I, I think, you know, I, I think sometimes people have too much, and I'm not saying you do, like of a Madden NCAA perspective of football, um, where you kind of have the starters out there on the field, and you don't really, they play every play unless you go in there and change it on the depth chart. Uh, I, I, I think he just kind of rotates in, right? I think there's just a way you figure out a way even to rotate him and chase Lasseter, have him, you know, always have two of those, three of those four guys on the field at some time. But also remember Keyshawn Green, is in there who kind of fits that hybrid linebacker role, right? You just figure out a way, um, you know, the way football is today, you need guys running on and off the field and you need fresh bodies at all times, right? Those things kind of shake out themselves, especially on defense during a game. I mean, if you look at FAU Southern Miss game, Chase Lassiter wasn't supposed to play that night. He was banged up. I mean, he was playing LSE with two an upper body and a lower body injury that night. Um, and you saw kind of what Frank Gore did that Frank Gore jr. Did that night, you know, he tried to come and play, but he missed a couple of tackles. He would never miss. Um, 
but you know, obviously just, he just wasn't himself. So, you know, through the kind of grueling of a season, I, I think they'll all fit in and you just figure out a way to rotate them. You know, they're, they're, obviously there's, you can get creative, you can get packages with, you know, on a third and two, um, you don't want to be looking across line of scrimmage and see a, a Kias Leroy and Chase Lasseter in the middle to be like, run the ball. You know what I mean? That's kind of like, we dare you to, right? Run the ball. Um, and Evan Anderson in the middle, right? <laughs> so, uh, I just think you just kind of figure out a way and you figure out a way to be multiple and use all those guys. Shane, if I had a chance to peek over the walls there at Fort Knox, one thing that I would want to have my eyes on, I know that my eyes would be squarely on. I, I quite frankly had my eyes on it last year. Uh, the man who wears number 20, Malcolm Davidson. Um, tell me why I'm wrong. I am curious to see how this running back situation shakes out. It's not that the running backs aren't good. FAU may have the best depth again at running back in CUSA, uh, quite frankly, off the top of my head. Uh, unless I'm going to take Sincere McCormick over everybody. Uh, I, and I think even with that being said, as good as I think Sincere McCormick is, I think I'd take FAU's, FAU's trio of Malcolm Davidson, James Charles, and Larry McCammon uh, over Sincere McCormick in terms of a, you know, a group setting. But um, I'm looking to see how he fits in. You know, I, I, I wasn't necessarily put you this way. I think the, you let me know if this is, if this is wrong or if this is reckless speculation on my part. I felt like there was a lot left to be desired in terms of the um, effort by one Willie Taggart to fit Malcolm Davidson into the the running back stable last year. Um, Malcolm Davidson's got to stay healthy. That's that's just plain and simple. That's that's been his quote unquote, you know, pun and not not pun intended, pun intended, right? Achilles heel, <laughs> you know, his <laughs> whole career. It's just. He's got to stay healthy. It's just um, he's he's had a combination of bad luck, and same thing with Larry McCammon, who's kind of like the do all guy, right? The the guy that is your best pass blocker, the guy that's going to catch that tough pass on third and five and get you know and reach over the line um, out of the backfield. Uh, you know, he's had two ankle surgeries um, since being at FAU. You know, Malcolm Davidson's had his fair share of injuries. Uh, you know, FAU did it. They brought in Johnny Ford for a reason, right? You know, uh, to kind of add to that, you know, there was, there was some, you know, James Charles, I love him. One of my favorite owls of all time, just cause you know, he just bleeds the red and blue and has been here and keeps coming back and fighting. And he's a leader on the team, but you know, he's dependable, but you know, let's, let's be real. He just doesn't have the same explosiveness as a Malcolm Davidson. Uh, you know, so it, it, you know, like I said, they brought in Johnny Ford for a reason. You know, it's it, 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 you know, obviously in football, your best attribute is to be able to play. And after you just didn't have that last year, and running back's the type of position you you know you need to get into um, a rhythm. I think I I don't think there's after you had a single back over like I had one back over like sixty carries last year, so you know, obviously in a shortened season. So that's just kind of really tough. Looking at those numbers here really quickly, I will get it to you. Let's see. We had Malcolm Davidson with 42 carries. We had doing this on the fly here. Okay. So James Charles, 92 carries JV. Uh, yeah. So Posey and Tronti, if you want to include the quarterbacks, they both went over 60 Davidson at 42 BJ Emmons at 37. So clearly, you know, there was a, a nice sharing of the workload there. Got two more questions for you, Shane. And we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. First one, going to take a broad view at CUSA. 
you know, um, is there anyone in the East? And, you know, you are, are just as much a Conference USA junkie, Conference USA savant, savant as I am. Is there anyone in CUSA East that you kind of have your eye on and, and gives you a little bit of pause that says, if we don't, you know, come out firing on all cylinders, and obviously it's way too early to kind of get into predicting. We're, we're not doing that. But just, is there anyone in the, in the East Division that you kind of have your eye on and, and, and you're kind of curious about, you know, they could give us trouble if, you know, they have a good spring and really come to the season firing on all cylinders? Uh, okay. Uh, Marshall's the easy answer, right? Um, obviously, but FAU will come out firing on all cylinders for that game. You know, that's the game you don't have to worry about them getting up for. Uh, Charlotte scares me just because it's on the road. You know, you have Chris Reynolds returning again. Vic Tucker's back, right? Vic Tucker is back. Yeah. That obviously you and I both share. We're big wheel Healy fans. Uh, So it's, you know, that just feels like a tough game. It feels like they're going to be better. They brought in a transfer quarterback as well to, to compete and a few other transfers. Uh, it, you know, we'll see. It's really hard to go unscathed. You know, obviously FAU, I think, you know, the biggest tough, their toughest game. And we'll talk about this again is they're, they're probably going to UAB and probably opening UAB stadium. Correct. So like, and UAB is another one of those teams who's returning a press, a press of starters. Correct. So, you know, that game you know, is one of those games that has, you know, from the surface is everything kind of working against you. So who knows, but you know, that's, that's kind of, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm really curious to see, you know, where Charlotte kind of fits in the equation. You know, I, I've, I've had it in my head that Charlotte will kind of surpass Marshall for that region and be kind of that other team at the top of the East, but they just kind of haven't put it all together yet. Um, I mean, what I'm do you with- think? No, yeah, I was going to say I'm with you. I mean, we can run it down top to bottom, quite frankly, in my opinion right now. I think you have to lead the East Division with FAU just based on the fact with Marshall, Grant Wells has to come out and show that he cannot be, and I'm not saying this is a negative, a knock on the kid. He's, he was a redshirt freshman at the time, but he's got to show that he can't be, a, he's not going to be a front runner. You know, you look at his play at the beginning of the year versus play at the end of the year, uh, two different quarterbacks, and when the level of competition rose, uh, he kind of definitely kind of shriveled. As far as and what is that offense going to be without, without being able to hand, hand it to Knox 25 times a game? Without a doubt. Now, I am a fan of the receivers they do have. Brock Thompson, uh, definitely a fan of what they have there. But we'll have to see um, with Marshall. Charlotte, we'll have to see what happens with James Foster, the transfer quarterback for you know FAU and FIU fans alike who are listening. Charlotte brought in a four-star quarterback, James Foster, who was a former Texas A&M Aggie uh, he'll be really brought in to compete with Chris Reynolds while Will Healy said it's Reynolds job this is probably the stiffest competition in terms of a guy uh, talent wise who can do all the things you ask him at the quarterback position and then also again Vic Tucker uh, you know no disrespect to any of the other receivers in CUSA uh, I'm a big Vic Tucker guy I think just in terms of a sheer route runner he is a NFL player uh, just kind of there at Charlotte and hasn't had the best quarterback play. he almost single-handedly beat FAU last year <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he, he's a Roman Mungin getting hit tapping just grabbing that ankle away from going 70 yards and be, beating FAU in that first game you know he, there, he, he, he he's the he's the best he's really good there, of course, there you go. South Florida. So. Of course, Miami Carroll City product right there. Uh, with with ODU, I mean, I, I, they're a year or two away. I mean, you definitely want to keep an eye on DJ Mack. 
Uh, certainly a more talented player than they've had the quarterback position in a while. And we'll see what happens there with Hayden Wolf, the kid out of Venice as well. But I think that's going to be DJ Max job, but they're, you know, a few years away. FIU. I know the FAU fans may not like this one, but I, I do believe that if FIU can at least hit at quarterback, and it doesn't have to be James Morgan hit, it can just be something that's a lot more steady than last year. They do have the pieces to recover quickly. So let's we'll keep an eye on that situation. I just think the formula for FIU this year is going to be, can you win in the trenches and can you run the ball well? I think they have half of that equation. I think they have the second best running back in Conference USA and Devontae Price. Let's see what happens as far as the defensive line and the offensive line is concerned. And, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, honestly, Shane, I know you, I'm curious to see your take on this. Despite a lot of the turmoil that's going on right now, middle Tennessee, I think um, addition by subtraction, it, it was clear if anyone is, is not familiar with the situation at MTSU, I would just Google Tony Franklin, Rick Stockstill. That was a relationship that he to end probably years ago. Um, and once again, I'm, I'm not going to debate whether whose side you fall on as far as that debate, but just in terms of the sheer working dynamic in that, uh, in that building, getting a new offensive coordinator in one who's going to prioritize more of a pro style offense, one that's not going to be Asher O'Hara run it 25 times and throw it 30 times and see what happens. Uh, I think that could benefit them because they do return a lot of their players. They had two transfer back <laughs> Shane, um, Amir Rasul, a former five-star kid out of Florida state. And then Martel Petway, um, who was from, uh, gosh, I'm having a brain fart right now, a Big Ten school. I think it was Michigan State where Martel Petway was. Um, they opted out last year. So they have both of those guys back. And uh, they also bring back a lot of receivers. And then also a South Florida product in Gregory Great Jr. who's one of the top safeties in, in CUSA, along with Reed Blankenship. So they have kind of big boomer bust potential. But with that being said, um, Do you I know still Reed Blankenship England. was the safety. Sorry to cut you off. You know. With when uh, Dwight Dasher was still the quarterback in Middle Tennessee. <laughs> That's how long, right? That was like Reed Blankenship's sophomore year. <laughs> Reed, Reed, Reed Blankenship has been in Conference USA a long time. My, yeah, he, he, must, he can do your job, man. Like, <laughs> I'm like that kid is still run. <laughs> He's a doctor. Now he has to be, right? He's like, Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Shane, the, the two white safeties in CUSA you thought you'd see forever, him and Ben DeLuca from Charlotte. Those are two guys. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, my yeah. God. It, <laughs> yeah, Reed, but, uh, Reed Blanker working on his third degree at Middle Tennessee. <laughs> but, yeah, all in all, I'm just going to finish up and say that I think FAU still is the head of the class. So yep. um, the rest of, those, rest of those teams I named, it's going to take all things to fall into place for them to really compete. Shane, the last question I got for you, if we go and wrap this one up, uh, who are some names that you're keeping an eye on just to see, you know, again, obviously you you aren't able to physically have eyes on spring, but just a couple of names that you think FAU fans should get familiar with from now because they're going to be impact players come September and October. Um, I don't think this is a surprise. I actually, met, I talked about it a little bit on our form today. Uh, Roman, uh, Romain Amungin has the chance I think by the end of the year, like this time next year, we're going to be talking about him in one of those like best corners in the conference, conference USA type, uh, you know, defensive player of the year. Usually corners don't get it, but you kind of understand what I mean. Uh, he is that talented. Uh, you know, I, I just, you know, I've always said that he's, he's probably two inches away. He was two inches away out of high school to, from probably picking what college he wanted to go to. Right. You know, one of those dudes with 50 offers. He, I mean, he's 
I think he dropped like six interceptions last year. And what's funny, I mentioned on our board, he was actually a really good receiver in high school. So I think he'll clean that up. And he's one of those guys that, you know, he could have like a Miko Dotson type year. He, I don't have the pro football focus numbers in front of me, but his, um, his completion percentage thrown at was lower than Zion Gilbert's last year. And just for another comparison, he was like, three or four points lower than James Pierre and Chris Tooley from the year before. That's how good he was. So um, granted, that's a little jaded, you know, uh, he he didn't have to go against like Ohio state or UCF in the games, (laughs) but just to give you an idea of what his coverage percentage was compared to, you know, James Pierre, who's in the NFL right now, and Chris Tooley, who's, you know, is a four year FAU starter. Um, yeah, I mean, he's kind of my he's he's my next emerging star for FAU. Uh, Eric, I, I kind of want you to follow up back on something here. Um, yeah, yeah, this has been a lot of talk, and I know it's FAU fans, and it's on the boards. And I, you and I know these things kind of flow up and down, right? Just I think three years ago or four years ago, Conference USA was five and zero or six and zero in bowl games. Correct. If I was corrected, right? It was just. In, in the Sun Belt's hot right now, right? Coastal, App State's always good. ULL, uh, you know, they have seems like three, you know, four teams floating around that top twenty-five mark. Does it feel like Conference USA is in a better place? You know, I know COVID kind of threw it off. It, it than a year ago, it feels like more teams are going forward than backwards. It's, it seems like the bottom is the floor is coming up a bit a little bit, especially now that rice has improved. I mean, you kept one, a couple games, you know, they're like, they're, they're a semblance of a football team. Now. <laughs> um, is that floor is conference. You would say, Hey, moving forward right now, Shane, I will say yes. Under one condition that the programs that didn't do well last year. And a lot of that, or I'm not saying a lot, some of that can be attributed to COVID. Right. But, Oh, the programs I'm talking about, the Western Kentuckys, the FIUs, Charlotte going three and five. And Charlotte's season was obliterated by COVID. So you absolutely put that on COVID. Um, those, the Southern misses, as long as those programs return back to kind of what their median is, right? Their, their, their average, their mean, excuse me. Um, then yes. The reason I say that is because yes, Rice, Rice is there. They just need a quarterback. They've been there. That team, I've seen Rice play three times in person over the past few years. They play hard for Mike Bloomgren, and they're hunting in the right direction. UTEP, like you mentioned, at least they managed to win games. And, guys, keep an eye. Uh, does FAU have UTEP this year, Shane? They do at home. Deion Hankins. Deion Hankins, is the, uh, he's the all-time leading rusher in the, in the history of the uh, city of El Paso. Hometown kid. Chose, you know, he spurned Power 5 offers to stay at El Paso. Um, he was one of the better running backs in CUSA before he got hurt and COVID messed up their season as well. So keep an eye on him. So UTEP, yes, they're at least improving. And it at least appears as if ODU, um, Bobby Wilder was the right guy to get them off the ground, but at least appears that they're taking the next step and really trying to capitalize in that you know fertile recruiting area or kind of growing recruiting area that is the Hampton Roads in that area. Um, so they seem to be improving. But we got to see what's going to happen. FIU, very much boom or bust in my opinion. Six and 12 in the past Two seasons. We got to see what's going to happen with Butch Davis. Western Kentucky, you've made a lot about uh, made a lot about this, and we can talk about this probably more like a, a season preview type deal. 
but you've made a lot about Western Kentucky's recruiting strategy off air. Um, do you want to take 30 seconds and, and just kind of fill the fans in on, on what your, your major point was with them? My point is, is a lot of people are making of their incoming transfers, which is good, right? People focus on what's coming in, but I also look at what's coming out, right? You know, it, it's great to have 15 transfers. It's great to have all those guys, but it also hurts to have 19 guys transfer out from the beginning of the year. Those, you know, with the, like, always, and fans fully don't understand this, you can only take 25 kids a year. So once you lose a certain amount of kids, you can't just say, oh, we'll go to the portal and replace them. So I, I just, I don't know how many seniors came back for them. I just wonder where their depth is at. The roster on the surface to me feels a little chaotic. Right. And I just think it's a big gamble. You're going with a FCS pros. I know people make a lot of uh, zap zappy, right? Uh, Bailey, Bailey zappy. Yep. Yeah. But you know, you go look at it in the end, he played four games last year. He threw for a ton of yards, but you know, one of those games was against North Texas who I could throw 300 yards against <laughs> and that, that I, I could, I could shred North Texas. All right. Who couldn't? That's not impressive. The other one was against Eastern Kentucky, who Matt Wells threw for 500 yards against them. You know, we saw what he was once he played good conference state defenses. The other one was Texas Tech. And, you know, typical Big 12 football. Like, they're going to they're gonna allow some yards. So, and there was one more other game in there. But so, I'm just, it's just a big gamble to me. I, I'm just, I don't think, I, I'm on the side, I don't think it's going to work out. To fill the fans in on what Shane's talking about, you know, Bailey Zappi, FCS quarterback from Houston Baptist, he looks to be the guy there at Western Kentucky. Also, they only signed three high school players. <laughs> uh, the majority of their their incoming class, as Shane mentioned, are going to be people out of the transfer portal. So we'll have to see what happens there with them. But again, to kind of get him around to answering your question, if FIU, the Western Kentuckys, the Charlottes, if they can at least kind of rise back to where they, they looked to be last year, then I think, yes, this conference is in a position where they're in better shape um, than they were last year to compete with the Sun Belt. My biggest gripe, and I, you know what? We can go ahead and we've got a few more, few, excuse me, we've got a few more minutes left before we uh, shut this one down. I definitely want your thoughts on this because I know I've talked about it on CUSA, Shane. My biggest gripe with CUSA in relation to the Sun Belt is the Sun Belt has an identity, Shane. Mac, they got an identity. That's we're Maction. We play midweek football and you can find us on ESPN or ESPN uh, 2. The Sun Belt, they're the fun belt. You know, they're the game that, that you know, you're going to see Texas State versus um, Coastal Carolina. They're going to put up 45-42, and it'll be out of nowhere. It'll be interesting. CUSA has no identity, and that's my biggest gripe where in terms of, yes, the programs seem to be moving forward, but as a conference as a whole, what do you know Conference USA for besides being essentially the, the, the scrap heap, the runoff of teams who couldn't get in those other conferences? I don't want to play on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. <laughs> I mean, let's just be real with that. I, I People make a lot of that. Oh, they're on ESPN and stuff. It's great. But like, there's part of me that just doesn't want to be. <laughs> there's someone except who you are, but in, we've talked about the conference. I, I think some belt and conference USA need to get in a room and say, why don't you take the West half? Why don't you take the East half? Right. Let's make this, I, that's been my stance forever, right? Let's make this about geography. Let's get App State and Charlotte. Let's get, you know, um, FAU, Georgia State, Georgia Southern in there, you know, Marshall playing App State, FAU Coastal, right? All those things are fun. It's East, you know, 
is always been my stick. We can do another pod on that during the summer doldrums. Sure. Um, but yeah, a copper shoe doesn't have an identity, but you know, and again, this is a bigger thing. I just don't want to be known as the, the, the fun side thing. Right. I, I don't want to play games on Tuesday, Wednesday nights. So that's my opinion with it. I mean, you know, Maction is fun and great and national and it's fun because big cat and barstool tweets about, you know, Toledo getting a putt block, but in the end there's 3000 people in the stands. So is that national identity really helping them? Shane, like, like that's, this is, this is my biggest question. You know, where did Toledo and Bowling Green and Western Michigan finish in the rankings this year in recruiting? You know, Shane, like, is let, it really, like, let, let's, what let, is the let, national brand? What is Maction bringing their schools? Like, that's a real question. Is it bringing them fans? No. Is it bringing them better quality players? No. With that being said, thank you for listening to this episode of the Shulable Podcast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Shulable Pod. You can find Five Reason Sports on Twitter at the number Five Reason Sports. You can find Shane on Twitter at Marinelli Shane. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. Thank you for listening. The next episode we will have will be FI or Shane. Something else will be all good. No, I'm good. Uh, oh, my bad. I, th- I thought I thought I heard something there. I thought I heard something there. Uh, the next the next episode we will have will be our FIU spring preview. FIU is slated to begin spring practices on March 22nd. So when we get a little bit closer to that date, you'll probably hear uh, all three of us. Uh, but for sure, me and David will be on and we'll chop it up about FIU football. So with that, thank you for listening. And um, hey, spring football is here. So I can officially say happy football watching everybody.